Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 198. And this episode is coming to you from Washington, D.C. Really glad to be out of New York right now and to be on the road. D.C. has been really great so far. I think that everything sort of looms in the shadow of government, right? This is the center of government, and politics in the United States. But D.C. also has a long history of art and music and food and culture. And so today I was really, really fortunate to be able to go to Ben's Chili Bowl, which is a restaurant here in Washington, D.C., and I sat down with Virginia Ali, who is one of the founders of Ben's Chili Bowl. Ben's Chili Bowl is located on U Street in D.C. It was founded in 1958 when segregation was still legally on the books in this country. And U Street is the, at the time, was the center of art and music and business here for the black community in D.C. In the late 60s, there were riots that took place over the killing of Martin Luther King and over the racial injustice that was happening in the country. And a lot of businesses, like the majority of them along U Street, were burned down. But Ben's Chili Bowl remained. And it lasted through years of a drug epidemic in the city, years of a lack of businesses along U Street, the construction of the metro, and ultimately through the revitalization of businesses along U Street. It's been a neighborhood institution. It's a community center. It's important. It's a really important place. And on top of that, they make amazing food. You've likely heard of the Half Smoke. This is sort of their signature hot dog with chili, and it is unbelievable. It's, it's savory, it's spicy, it's affordable, and that's something that's drawn people from all walks of life. Now, it's a very popular place, and there are some powerful people that come, American presidents, Barack Obama's on the wall, Martin Luther King used to go there. Uh, Bryce Harper from the Nationals, Dave Chappelle's on the wall, Chance the Rapper, Denzel Washington. It's an institution, and it's really cool. The original tables and and chairs and fans from the 1950s in old jukebox really hasn't changed. So I was really fortunate that they invited me to come and to hang out in the back and to actually meet and record with Virginia. I'm so fortunate. I first first saw and heard about Ben's on Bourdain's show when he was doing No Reservations. And then it's been featured on so many things, all the Washington papers. She's doing a recording for NPR later in the week. She squeezed me in in between filming a segment in the back. So this was, I, I don't even know how to say it, just, just really cool. Really cool. 
And uh, it felt, felt really special to me. So really, really happy to be here in D.C. So super happy to meet Virginia and to record at Ben's Chili Bowl. You can go to the show notes for this episode and you'll find a link to their website, which will also have their address. So if you're coming to D.C., this is a, this is a must-do. There's a lot of really great food here in D.C., so there's a lot of must-dos, but this has to be number one. It's got to be at the top of your list. So check out the website, check them out, check out their social media, and then I also have a link to my Patreon account. There are so many places that are in need right now, though, so if you have you know, money to, to spread around and to give to people, give it to people who, who are struggling right now. When we were done recording, uh, it was really cool that Virginia told me that people from all over the country, when the pandemic started, started sending in money to Benz. They were like, Benz is a place that cannot go away. We need it to be there. And so they were sending in checks, like I said, from all over the country. And she was like, this actually made it so that we could give back. And they started doing meals for first responders and people in hospitals, nurses and doctors. And when we were there, they were even packing up all these meals to send out into the community. So that's, that's really cool. And that's the kind of place it is. So please support them if you can. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Virginia. I know I sure did. First, let me say thank you, because I, I've done this all over the world. Really? I've talked to a lot of people in food, uh-huh. uh, but this feels like a very special place, and I, I'm happy that, you, that you're giving me the time, well, so thank you. I'm happy that we happened to come in at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I first heard about Ben's on Anthony Bourdain's older show, No Reservations. You've met so many incredible people over the years. I'm wondering, though, if you remember much from that interaction that you had with him. Well, I've always enjoyed Anthony's show, and he makes everybody feel like they're the most important restaurant in the world. Mm. And he was just so happy. He, I had a copy of his book. He signed the book for me. And, you know, he was just so... It was like we were the most important place in the world. And I think he did that with everybody. Yeah. And so when I wake up one morning and I see that news on the media, I just broke into tears because he was such a happy person. Yeah. It, it, it's strange how, you know, I, it's not someone yeah, I ever met. Yeah, but exactly. It, I think it affected even and just... such an interesting job. Yeah. It made it so interesting all over the world, eating all kinds of foods from all kinds of people. You know, it just seemed like such an interesting job and... As I said, when he was here, he was so happy and so pleasant mm. and charming. You know, it was just a wonderful, wonderful day with him. Yeah. This, this building was originally a silent theater? An old silent movie theater. There's a picture of it there. Oh, wow. It was called the Minnehaha, Hiawatha's Girlfriend, if you guys still remember your literature back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, built in the early 1900s and then... Some years later, we come up with a new theater next door called the Lincoln that made this one obsolete. Oh, so okay. uh, it uh, served a, f- a couple of purposes prior to our being able to obtain it in 1958. 
And at that time, I'm learning a lot of DC history <laughs> while we're yeah, here. Sure. At that time, U Street was called Black Broadway. Yeah, I came to Washington from Virginia. Okay. In 1952, it was still a segregated city. Mm-hmm. And this was Black Broadway, the entertainment center for African-Americans, because not only was there the Lincoln Theater, which was a state-of-the-art movie house, there was a Republic Theater in the next block, and the Booker T Theater in the following block. Wow. Not to mention the jazz clubs and the white tablecloth restaurants and things like that. Um, so when a first-rate movie was released in Hollywood and it came to the theater downtown, it came to one of ours the same day. Wow. So when my husband and I met and fell in love and wanted to be married, he wanted to open a restaurant. He had come from Trinidad to matriculate at our universities, first at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln, and then on to Washington to attend Howard University's dental school. Well, he didn't complete the dental program. He had an accident, wasn't able to, injured his back, wasn't able to complete that, but he'd worked his way through college by working in restaurants, ah. starting with mopping the floors and doing the dishes, and then by the time he came here, he was a major d at one of the big ones downtown, um, and he worked in the community. So I came to Washington in 52, and my first job was right here on Black Broadway at our own African-American operated bank, commercial bank. I was a commercial teller down there, and that bank, by the way, is still in business, 85 years now by the same family. Ah, that's incredible. Yeah, that was incredible. So, so when we were looking for a place to open this restaurant, of course, it would be just ideal to be on Black Broadway because that's where the people were. And fortunately, as we were looking, we came, there was a gentleman that owned this property outside, and we told him what we were looking for. He said, come have a look at this one. It was being operated as a pool hall at that time. So we looked at that, and we decided this would be perfect. It's next door to the theater. There was a show at 1 o'clock. Uh, yeah. 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and a late show on weekends. People. Not to mention another one up the street. So we were able to lease the property. We found the architect, the contractor, the plumber, the electrician, and the cabinet maker within a few blocks of here. All independent African-American-owned businesses that served us until for the duration of their careers. We had the same electrician, the same plumber, until they retired. That's amazing. So it was just so easy compared to today. You know, you could call that plumber at 3 o'clock in the morning, said there's a per- pipe burst in the back there and water's going everywhere. I'll be right there. Mm. He was right around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> so it just made things so much easier for us at the time. And so that's how we started. Now, when you were coming up with the, the concept for, for what you would be making and what you would be selling, why chili? Well, that was Ben's idea. Ben had this, what he considered a very special chili recipe. Ah. And so that would be perfect on chili dogs and burgers. And then there was a smoked sausage that was like a breakfast sausage. So he thought that would make a great sandwich. Just put it in a hot steamed hot dog bun and dress it up with mustard onions and that homemade spicy chili sauce and that worked. 
And so we had this very limited menu, just a half smokes, hot dogs, burgers, coffee, tea, sugar, I mean coffee, tea, milkshakes. Uh, I think we had a, a submarine sandwich at the time, but that was it. Wow. It was it. And and it was a, one of those things where people would come in and say, I need a dozen chili dogs to go. And I guess in those days, because we were, had these very late hours, we were open from 11 in the morning until 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. on Friday and Saturday night. This was a nightclub town, as it is again now, and therefore the slogan was sober up with a chili dog. <laughs> okay. There were no drugs around to my knowledge. But sober up with a chili dog, you've been out, you had your cocktails and to party and all that kind of thing. And there were lots of parties and, and uh, uh, house parties and clubs and things like that and entertaining. So went very well. The Children's Hospital was right up here behind us. So we had a great uh, daytime crowd as well. And um, everything went very, very well for quite some time until 1968. Yeah, I was wondering if, if you could talk about that a bit. We, we both teach history. And we're, really? from, we're from New York, so you okay. know, we do a lot of New York history. I don't think that you know, most high school-age students yeah. in the States, right. they, they know about the Civil Rights era. I don't know if they know like, about U Street and what was happening yeah. in the late about 60s. About even the bank that's lasted 85 years with the same family. Yeah. You know, a lot of kids don't know that. You're, sure, you're right. But this was, uh, and Howard University is literally walking distance. Yeah. So we had a very prominent intellectual community as well. And um, when we were here through the civil rights movement, we were here when all the things were going on in the South. And when Dr. Kane was, had a satellite office just up two blocks away that would come in on occasion whenever he's in town, he would pop into Ben's Chili Bowl and try to have smoke. And I get to talk to him for a few minutes about his dream. We were here for that march on Washington in 1963, when so many people came and uh, President um, Kennedy said, I don't think it's a good idea to bring all those people here because if there's a problem, it'll set your movement back substantially. Uh. But it didn't, there was no problem. The, the, the march was beautiful and thousands of people and um, everything went very well, but then the movement, the civil rights movement heated up. I mean, there was so much discomfort and dis disappointment with, um, you know, with civil rights. Getting jobs and housing and all of that was difficult. So the riots of 1968, when Dr. King was assassinated, took its toll on this beautiful community. Yeah. It was literally destroyed. The burning, the looting, the destruction, the tearing up the place was just awful. We were the only place that was allowed to remain open during three nights of curfew. That was hard. But we were here, and we'd been here for 10 years, so we were really settled into the community and, and readily accepted by the community. We'd been here to let people know we were a community-based place, and we helped whenever we can. Whenever we could do something for a neighbor or someone in trouble, if they came by for support, we did what we could to help. And I guess that's why perhaps we were not touched during that difficult time. Yeah. But when it was all over, 
But of course, you know, the National Guard was here and all of that. But when it was all over, the businesses didn't reopen. And some of them were big businesses like a Safeway or telephone company just up the street, people's drugstore, that kind of thing. Uh, but when it was over, the businesses didn't reopen. The small businesses didn't either, partly, partly because of their ability to, be, to afford to reopen and to build back again. And secondly, by now we're integrated, so we could go someplace else. So when the, that happened and the businesses didn't reopen, the middle class moved away. And a couple of years later, heroin moved in, then crack cocaine moved in, and we took a downturn that lasted for a good 20 years. And then in 1988, the city finally decided to build a subway system just across the street, the Green Line. And during their research, they determined that there was only three businesses that had survived in this immediate vicinity. That was Ben's Chili Bowl, Industrial Bank, as I spoke of, and Lee's Flower Shop, another business that's still being operated by the third and fourth generation today. That was not enough to support maintaining one lane of traffic out there. They simply dug up that entire street 65 feet down. I had one employee and me. My husband found something else to do to keep us going. There were no night hours because there were no street lights. So it was a very, very difficult time. And then in 1990, 91, 92, the business, the, the, the subway opened. I had this big banner made and had a big old thing come to hang it across the front that said, we survived Metro. Yeah. And the big ceremony was right across the street, picked up by all of the media and all that kind of thing. And after that was over, the businesses, the new businesses moved in. One by one, the beautiful apartment building went up across, uh, down the street called the Ellington, just in the next block. There's a fabulous condominium over behind us over there. And one of those units in that condo was sold, I think, early last year for $1.2 million. Whoa. <laughs> so we are now in a very affluent neighborhood. Yeah. 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 You know, you, you just, you talked about the business surviving so many things yeah. from the, the riots that happened to the, the drug epidemic. Yeah. We're in the middle of a pandemic and also social unrest that isn't really only from 2020. This is systemic. Yes. It's dating systemic, back to, yes. to the time yes. that you've been talking about yes. and previous. Yes. But how does this year compare with all of these things that the business has survived? Well, you know, I'm, I, I, it's certainly the most difficult of all. It's the most difficult because it involves people's health and their lives. It's the most difficult because it involves people's health and it involves people's lives. People are dying from this thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know how long this can last, but it has certainly had a terrible impact on all of us and on certainly those of us in business. It's been most difficult, most difficult. But um, we keep the faith and we say that this too shall pass. Yeah. And that's what we're looking forward to. I still come every day because I enjoy it, number one. I like meeting people. And, of course, now you've got to have your mask on. You've got to 
do the all the protocols, six foot um, distance and that kind of thing. But this is the most difficult of all of them, I'd have to say. Wow. Yeah. And because we don't even know what a new norm will be. Will we ever be able to sit a whole bunch of us in this room again? We'd have 55 people right here in this room. We had the biggest uh, reservation list for this spring and summer, this past spring and summer, we've ever had. Wow. We've always had a, a, a number of them, but this year was an enormous amount of people coming. And they would make reservations, and we would show them a little video up there on the screen, and sometimes we'd have a historian to give the young, particularly students, and tourists from across the waters a little history about the area. All that's done, yeah. Oh, that's really unfortunate. Yes, but it is, as I said, this, this too shall pass, we hope. Yeah. yeah. You, you talked about how Martin Luther King Jr. used to come in here. Uh-huh. And when I look on the walls here, there are celebrities from around the world. There are presidents, Barack Obama. I mean, did you ever think that in opening a restaurant that your, your life would become this incredible? No, as a matter of fact, President, former President Obama was here about three weeks ago. Really? In this room to do an interview for complex news, a social media news. Yeah. Young African-American reporter, just the two of them in this room. It was interesting to see how well they protect him. We were not allowed to open doing that for the entire day. And it was just wonderful having him. And we, once the Secret Service came, we were contained in that room over there with the monitors so we could hear the interview and see him on the monitor. But we also had talked to his assistant before he arrived and said, do you think we could get a picture? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, yes, where would you like to have it? And we showed her the spot in front of the jukebox with the bench sign up there. She came out with her ruler and her blue tape. And I told her there were, four, there were three of us. We could, oh, they didn't want anybody here except Vita, Vita, my daughter-in-law, because she's the one that made the plan arrangements. And we have another daughter-in-law that works here too, so we thought we needed to have at least both daughters-in-law and me. So they allowed that. We had to have the COVID test, of course, two days before. But she came out and she measured for four spots, six feet apart, and that's how we got our photo. Wow. <laughs> it was lovely, yeah. From the times that he has been here, do you, do you remember what he talked well, to you he about? Came the, uh, his first visit was when he was president-elect about two weeks before the inauguration, no more than two weeks before the inauguration. His first outing out to eat was here at Ben's Chili Bowl. So we were quite honored. I was quite an honor, not to mention the fact that it was in newspapers across the country. So when visitors came to this historic inauguration and they read that, there was a line out here that cold January day all day long for people wanting to come in to be here where Obama had been. Wow. So that was pretty special. Has every presidential administration since 58 eaten here or no? No, not every, no. Okay. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I was wondering about the, the current one that's on its way up. <laughs> we had a fundraiser here for Hillary. One of my son's uh, high school classmates, the prominent lawyer in New York, and he wanted to do a fundraiser for her New York seat back there. Her okay. last, her last uh, campaign 
when she was sent for New York. And so we're headed right in this room, and we had permission to serve champagne and chili dogs. Oh. <laughs> had to have a special permit to do it, just back in this room. But the rest of the place was open, yeah. But it's been, it's been interesting. But, you know, when, the bottom line is we're all just people. Yeah. Yeah. We've had, I feel happy and proud of the fact that I've had the opportunity to serve people from all walks of life. I've been out there when I see a junkie sitting next to a judge on the counter. And, and it's just, just, you know, I have people from here from the big restaurants downtown. I said, I've got one up on you. I serve everybody. You serve the affluent, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I've enjoyed that very much. They're all just people, and people treat you the way you treat them. So we've been here without incident for the most part. We've wow. not had a problem here, even during that very difficult 20-year drug epidemic. We had they'd come in and I'd ask them, please, I don't, please don't do your business here, okay? Okay, Miss Ben. Yeah. Wow. You know, there's a with the popularity of the restaurant comes attention and comes a platform for you. I've seen you on social media getting involved in like getting out the vote. Um, I saw you talking about uh, a walk here in D.C. Not everybody does that. I'm wondering about like the, the conscious decision that goes into, hey, I have all these eyes on me. I can use this to promote causes I believe in. Well, you know, we're part of a community. And, it, and, and, it, and small business is what is the heart of this country. So we get to know the neighbors. We get to know the people. We get to know the needs. And we try to do what we can to help. Mm. So when we want everybody to get out and vote, everybody should tell them to get out and vote, not just me. Yeah. You know? Everybody should do that. So I had no problem with that. Uh, I enjoy doing it, actually. What does the future hold for Ben's? I know you've expanded to the ballpark and well, some other places. I, my, we had three sons. We sent them off to very good schools. One, the youngest one's a lawyer. They all decided to do Ben's Chili Bowl. Oh. It's hard work. It was, shock. it was very surprising to us that that was the case. But when the first one came on, we thought, okay, now we can do what we want to do because we had been here 10 years before we had a week's vacation together, my husband and I. Wow. One of us stayed and took care of the baby, as we called it. Um, then the boys came on, and they gave us, it gave us an opportunity to travel and enjoy our lives. I had my husband for 51 years. He died 11 years ago. And then the middle son has been with us for a very long time, and um, all three of them are here now, and two of my daughter-in-laws. Wow. The other daughter-in-law is a nurse practitioner with a specialty in psychiatry, and she has an office upstairs in our building next door. Vita that you just met was a publicist in California before she joined us. I called it for real work. <laughs> uh, and Sonia has been our HR person, so in, and whatever else needs to be done. They don't just fit in those categories. Whatever needs to be done, they do, yeah. So it's been wonderful. Not only do I get to meet wonderful people all day long, but I get to see my kids Yeah. all the time. They open, first place they opened was Ben's Next Door, which is a full-service restaurant and bar. 
And then, let's see, they went into, I think, the airport, Reagan Airport. Uh-huh. FedEx Field with the Redskins. Nats Park with our baseball winners last year. All closed right now. Well, yeah. the, the baseball, I mean, the re- airport's still open, I think, but there's a lot, not a lot of traveling going on. So we're feeling that pinch, you know. Nothing's happening at the ballpark. And they also opened one, the most recent opening was at... Um, Horseshoe Casino in Baltimore. Ah. That one was doing very well, too, and, and then opened back for a while. Now Maryland has them closed again. Yeah. So um, we're feeling the pinch, yeah. But um, my children did that. I just kind of hang out here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I go visit the others from time to time. Well, like I said at the outset of this, um, I've been able to do this with a lot of different people and in a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. And I'm very fortunate that I get to actually be in the physical setting of these incredible places all around the world. And this is a neighborhood institution. uh, And you are a very special and important person for this community here. Uh, I know, you know, you're you're talking to NPR, you're talking to all sorts of major outlets, and and I'm not that. So uh, I want to just say thank you again so much for first hosting us here in this incredible place, but also talking to, talking with me today and sharing your story. Well, we're so, I'm so, we're a pleasure to have you here. And my children have added their new menus and their vegetarian items and coming up with the times and that kind of thing. So um, I am so excited because the people that have moved in, young, educated people all over this city. I've got to live a few more years so I can see what they do with <laughs> yeah. this. <laughs> so you're, once the pandemic is solved, you're, you're, you're pandemic, hopeful for the future of oh, D.C.? absolutely. Why not? Sure. Mm. Absolutely. Oh. And I've had the pleasure of enjoying my good health for the most part, but I think that comes from just staying busy. Yeah. You don't have time to nurture a little ailment if you're busy. And then a little ailment doesn't become a big one, right? Maybe it's something in the chili, too, that does it. <laughs> <laughs> I've um, had my fair share of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks again so much, Virginia. This was a real pleasure. I hope I've answered your questions. Absolutely. All right. Thank Thank you you all for coming. Hey, that is a wrap on episode number 198 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Man, this one was really cool. The food there is so good. Normally, it's packed. There's three rooms, really. There's the main room where they cook and then a middle room, and there's one in the back. And it's cool because if you're in the back room, you can see how this was a converted theater. There are stairs that go upstairs to like an office now, but it looks like that used to be like the projectionist room where they would actually project the movies from. So yeah, this was a, I don't know, this was really special for me. Hope to get you some more stuff from DC while I'm here. And I hope that you all had a great holiday and that you're able to enjoy some type of, you know, New Year's celebration. I don't know really how people are going to celebrate this year, but hope the end of the year rings in, uh, rings in well for you. Hope to get you some new stuff here from D.C. real soon. All right, folks, thank you as always. And please, please, please take care of each other. Catch you very soon.